48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Vicky Wong. The headlines. Educators tell the government to hold off on closing schools amid forecasts of a continuing fall in pupil numbers. Civil service recruits are told they'll face a national security test from the middle of next year. And the security minister says the public will be consulted on a new Article 23 law so no one can demonise the legislation. Education professionals have cautioned against moving too quickly to close or relocate schools in response to a fall in pupil numbers in the SAR. In a paper to LegCo, the Education Bureau said the change was structural rather than transient in nature. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat programme, Mervyn Jung, chairman of the Education Policy Concern Group, said the closure of many primary schools around the millennium led to struggles to accommodate pupils in recent years. Chim Hon Ming, chairman of the Council of Central and Western Districts, school heads echoed those concerns. We don't have a, a crystal ball. We cannot foresee whether it is an increase or decrease in, in the near future. So if we just use this simplest way to close the school, and, I th- and I'm afraid that if the number of students increase suddenly in, in maybe uh, next 10 years, how can we find enough classrooms for the students? The Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nipp, says a new test on the national security law will ensure that only the right applicants will be recruited to the government ranks. The Civil Service Bureau had said earlier that the examination would be in addition to a paper on the basic law that new recruits to the administration are required to sit. It will take effect in the middle of next year. Mr Nipp explained the thinking behind the test. For those who uh, join the government, it's important for them to uh, have a basic understanding about the basic law about the one country, two systems principle and also the importance of uh, understanding national security. So I think it's only natural that uh, we introduce uh, these tests for those who wish to apply uh, for the government jobs. Earlier, the Education Secretary Kevin Young said teachers may also have to take a test on the national security law before taking up a job, in addition to a quiz on the basic law announced in last week's policy address. He said the Education Bureau may follow the example of the Civil Service Bureau. We have to work on national education, national security education, and we hope to foster students' national identity. Teachers provide students guidance, so we expect them to have a certain degree of understanding of the basic law. He said the basic law test would be extended from government schools to aided schools next year and could also apply to direct subsidy schools and kindergartens. The Secretary for Security says the government will consult the public thoroughly before bringing forward national security legislation under Article 23 of the basic law. Damon Pang reports. Writing on his official blog, Chris Tang said the Security Bureau is working at full speed to draft further national security legislation. He says the process includes studying a bill put forward in 2003, which was withdrawn after a half million people took to the streets to oppose it. Mr Tang wrote that officials would not, as he put it, allow people with ulterior motives to demonise and smear the proposed legislation. He stressed the need to avoid public misunderstanding by formulating plans to promote and explain the proposed law. 
The hospital authority's chief executive, Tony Coe, has played down the impact of subsidence that has forced the suspension of work at the new acute hospital at Kai Tak. Mr Coe said the problem was controllable. He also said the authority would review how it released information after lawmakers complained that the problem was only revealed on Wednesday, despite the fact that subsidence was linked to Storm Lion Rock at the weekend. The Australian state of New South Wales has announced that it's scrapping hotel quarantine requirements for fully vaccinated travellers from the start of next month. Australia's borders have been closed to visitors since March last year, with citizens and permanent residents having to stay in hotel quarantine for two weeks at their own expense. The national government had indicated that the full reopening of borders would apply only to citizens at first, but the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet said he wanted tourism to resume to boost the economy. I want to open up New South Wales to the world. Uh, we need to rejoin the world. We can't live here in a hermit kingdom. Uh, we've got to open up. And this decision today uh, is, a, is a big one, but it's the right one to get New South Wales connected um, globally. And uh, it's going to be great for our tourism industry. It's going to be great for tourist operators. However, the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said his government hadn't approved the plan for overseas visitors. This is about Australian residents and citizens first. The Commonwealth Government has made no decision to allow other visa holders, skilled visa holders, student visa holders, uh, international visitors travelling under an ETA or other uh, international visa arrangement, visa, visiting visa arrangement, to come into Australia under these arrangements. They are decisions for the Commonwealth Government, as the Premier and I know. The United States has returned to the United Nations Human Rights Council three and a half years after its dramatic walkout. The UN General Assembly elected 18 new members of the UN's top rights body, with countries kicking off their three-year council term from January the 1st. State Department spokesman Ned Price said the United States needed to be on the council. Uh, we want to be at the table. We need to be at the table uh, in order to uh, be engaged, whether it's with the WHO, whether it's with the Human Rights Council, whether it's uh, within the Paris context, whether it's within other uh, realms that we've talked about. Uh, if we are to help shape institutions, uh, to help them deliver on their highest aspirations, which is what we intend to do with the Human Rights Council, uh, to help them um, promote the values the interests that the United States and our partners share, uh, we need to be there. The American property heir Robert Durst has been sentenced to life in prison for killing his best friend Susan Berman to stop her talking about his wife's disappearance in 1982. Durst was convicted last month of shooting his 55-year-old victim in the back of the head at her Beverly Hills home. The trial came six years after Durst's apparent confession in an HBO documentary, The Jinx. Grace Berman, a relative of Susan, made a victim statement to the court. I would like Bobby to live many, many years to be on record for the longest living predator ever. And with each breath between, from right now on, when you breathe in, you will hear Susan. When you exhale, you will hear Berman. Southeast Asian nations are to hold a virtual meeting of their foreign ministers today to discuss whether to exclude Myanmar from the regional bloc ASEAN. The BBC's Jonathan Head has the details. 
They've got the biggest summit meeting of the year coming up at the end of this month. It's one where not only all the heads of government of the 10 Southeast Asian countries attend, but also major powers like the United States, uh, Japan, the EU, Australia, China, they also send their heads of government. And the, the great concern is, what do we do about Myanmar? Myanmar is a member of ASEAN, and it would mean technically inviting the junta leader. Some ASEAN countries, notably Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia, are arguing that the refusal of the junta leader to go along along with the quite mild proposals made back in April to de-escalate the violence, it means that they must suspend Myanmar's membership. The World Health Organization says tuberculosis is on the rise for the first time in more than a decade, mainly due to the coronavirus pandemic. It says 1.5 million people died from TB last year. The WHO says lockdowns prevented many from getting treatment. Teresa Kaseyeva is the WHO's Global TB Programme Director. The COVID-19 pandemic has reversed years of progress. For the first time in over a decade, WHO is reporting an increase in tuberculosis deaths. Tuberculosis is the world's second top infectious killer after COVID-19, claiming close to 4,100 lives a day. There have been calls for calm following clashes in the heart of the Lebanese capital, Beirut, which left six people dead and dozens injured. The UN, the US and France have all urged for de-escalation of the tensions. The shooting erupted as supporters of the Shia group Hezbollah and its allies gathered to protest against an investigation into last year's Beirut explosion. Lebanon's president, Michel Aoun, condemned the violence in an address to the nation. <laughs> What happened will be the subject of security and judicial follow-up, and I, for my part, will ensure that the investigation reaches the truth of what happened, in order to hold those responsible and instigators to account, just like any other judicial investigation. A work by British artist Banksy that sensationally self-shredded just after it sold for one and a half million US dollars has been sold again by Sotheby's auction house, this time for more than 25 million dollars. Love is in the bin consists of a half-shredded canvas in an ornate frame bearing a spray-painted image of a girl reaching for a heart-shaped red balloon. Sotheby's says the work created in the stunt is the ultimate Banksy artwork. The auction house's contemporary art specialist Emma Baker was there when the work self-shredded. The hammer came down and all of a sudden we heard this beeping noise. It wasn't a Sotheby's alarm, so we were like, what's going on? And everybody was sort of out of their seats, phones in the air, sort of hands over mouth. And I looked over and I was standing on the phone banks at the time. Looked over and the, the picture has sort of looked like it had fallen half out of the frame and it wasn't until a bit later that we realized that it had actually shredded. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,190. That's 222 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $103 billion. In currencies, the US dollar is trading at 113.9 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 16 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 64 cents. To sport and in football, Brazil have edged close to a place in next year's World Cup, beating Uruguay 4-1 in South American qualifying this morning. They topped the group by six points over Argentina, who beat Peru 1-0. Only four teams qualify automatically and Uruguay remain fifth in the group behind Ecuador and Colombia. Football journalist Renata Mandonka says Uruguay need every point they can get. Oh yeah, if we think in terms of the competition, definitely. 
Because Uruguay is not performing well in the qualifying. Uh, the head coach, Tavares, has a huge challenge with this new generation. After a historic team that got to the semifinals in the World Cup in 2010, now only a few players of that team remain. And uh, from the games we saw, Uruguay needs to improve a lot to guarantee a spot in the World Cup. The fifth-place team will face an intercontinental playoff to go to Qatar. In baseball, defending World Series champions the Los Angeles Dodgers have claimed their National League Division Series, beating the San Francisco Giants 2-1 in Game 5 to seal a 3-2 victory. The Dodgers now face the Atlanta Braves in the best-of-seven National League Championship Series for a return to the Four Classic. The American League Championship Series begins tomorrow morning Hong Kong time with the Houston Astros hosting the Boston Red Sox in Game 1. RTHK's Ray Jovanovic says the Red Sox, who knocked off the 100-win Tampa Bay Rays, should be regarded as favorites. The way the uh, the way the Red Sox are playing right now, you've got to favor you've got to favor the Red Sox, despite the fact Houston has home home field advantage. Uh, it's a best of seven series. Pitching again is going to be is going to be critical. But both of these teams, especially the Red Sox, had incredible. Uh, clutch hitting uh, during their uh, playoff series, uh, you know, a couple of walk-off wins, especially by the uh, by the Red Sox. They they are hot. They are peaking right now. The Tunisian Onjabor is set to become the first Arab tennis player to reach the top 10 in the sports world rankings history. She's reached the Indian Wells semi-finals after beating Estonia's Anit Kontavit in straight sets. The BBC's Russell Fuller says it's a significant milestone for Jabor. I think it's very significant for her because the rankings in tennis and in particular the top 10 rankings and if you can go even higher the number one spot is something that's very visible and therefore a very symbolic achievement and she's always made the point that she's 100% Tunisian that she practiced in Tunisia from the age of three right the way through till 16, 17 she's a homegrown product she's very aware that she's hopefully inspiring the next generation and she's made a lot of headlines this year she's got a wonderful game style as well very creative on the court likes to play many many drop shots she says that perhaps she had too many options early in her career and that's why after an excellent junior career it took her a while to find her level in the senior ranks but she's certainly doing that now in the men's draw at indian wells britain's cameron norrie has reached the semi-finals after beating diego schwartzman 6-0-6-2 it's the first time norrie has made the last four at the AT- at an atp masters event honestly out there once the, the match began i was feeling very relaxed and i was very um in the present i wasn't really thinking too much and just going out and playing and um, just like another match and um, definitely more relaxed than all my other matches I've played uh, this week. So I was very happy with how I handled everything. And now to the weather, mainly cloudy with occasional showers and isolated thunderstorms, moderate to fresh northeasterly winds, occasionally strong offshore. The temperature is 26 degrees and the humidity at 93%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Educators tell the government to hold off on closing schools amid forecasts of a continuing fall in pupil numbers. Civil service recruits are told they'll face a national security test from the middle of next year. And the security minister says the public will be consulted on a new Article 23 law so no one can demonise the legislation. The news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Friday the 15th of October is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. We've got a busy program for you. Since yesterday was a public holiday, we'll be bringing you Chinwag with you. This week on Chinwag, Sadia Osmani will be joining us to talk about pet peeves and we'll be chatting at about 10 minutes or so. Feel free to weigh in with your with your own pet hates, your own pet peeves. Uh, you can join us, 123show at rthk.hk. You can also find me on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And after the 2 o'clock news, our Radio 3 intern, Abe Venkitaraman, uh, will be finding out more about uh, a local chat called Mine Hong Kong as they're going to be launching an art exhibition called More Than Label. This is our story, which is an art